part of working in a salon or working for a team is that you're learning on somebody else's wings. They're flying already. And there's a lot more safety for you to learn your craft and to get good at it and to have something underneath you in case you falter. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Last Professionals and for Last Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are excited to have Mo Hamill join us on our podcast. Who's Mo? Well, she owns a salon called Lash Out down in Texas. She's been in the beauty industry for over 23 years and a lash artist for 11. And nine of those years, she's actually had her own salon or lashes, actually. So we're really excited to have her join us because we really, uh, looking back, haven't had a lot of salon owners on in a while. And we tend to speak to all sorts of people, but... Salon owners, sadly, have not been at the top of our list, which is crazy because we've been salon owners ourselves for 13 years, and we love salon owners. I feel like they have so much wisdom, so much insight, and we're excited for you to hear her journey, to hear her struggle, to hear some of the things that work well for her and how to deal with hiring and dealing with employees, and also just a little bit about how she lost everything back in 2017 because of a hurricane. And uh, I know a lot of people down in the Houston area that happened to them. They lost everything. She lost her home. She lost her work or her space for her, her salon, everything. So we do, we stumbled into that conversation. That wasn't even what planned. So you'll definitely want to stick around for that. But it's really quite inspiring. Mo is incredibly generous. And we're excited because she is a part of LashCon this coming year. She's actually going to be on one of our panels. And she's going to be talking about Lash Lawn ownership. How about that? And also, she hosts a thing called Lash Bash. She did it last year in Texas. And this year, she's going to be up in Utah hosting it with her friend Wednesday. So with also Lindy from EBL. And they have a handful of tickets left, guys. So we'll put the link in the bio here, I think. Or if not... <laughs> She tells you how to get to her website where you can get it. But I'll try to get the information, put it on here too, so you can look for it and get your ticket. There's only a handful left, and it's going to be a blast, guys. You, you do not want to miss it. Anyhow, before we get into all that, why don't we do a few announcements? Well, the big one right now for us is we're coming up to, for our next training, May 14th through the 15th in New York. We still have a couple spots left. We sold a bunch of seats, and then these last couple just been hanging around. So if you want to learn how you can have four-week retention, you want to learn how to up-level your game so your clients don't have to come in as much. And so you can charge more. I mean, Tusney charges, you know, $203 and $270 for a fill in a very crowded network or area like Los Angeles. Like, there's lash artists everywhere, right? It's like nail artists now. So... She charges at a premium price, and it's because she gets such great longevity. And she wants you to learn how to do that, too. So if you sign up, go to our show notes or go to our, our, our website, Lashcast Productions, or go to our Instagram, and the link's in there. You can sign up for this class and get in, especially on the East Coast. It's close to you. Hang out with us for a couple of days, and we will change the way you approach the lashing. It's great for pre-maids, volume, or pre-maids, I should say, Pro-Maids and Classic, not so good for volume. If you're a volume artist and that's all you do and don't do um, Pro-Maids or Pre-Maids, then yeah, that, it's really hard to learn her technique. You'll, I mean, you'll still learn a bunch, but it may not be as practical. So, um, And then June 5th through 6th in Los Angeles, we'll be on the West Coast. We're in our backyard. That'll be our next class after that. Of course, LashCon tickets are still going on. And I want to encourage you guys who've already bought your ticket to think about getting an add-on. That is our, we have a whole bunch of things that are happening on Friday 
a day in the evening as well as Saturday morning before LashCon takes off. So it's our day one ticket, which is like a leadership and training day where you're going to learn about creativity. And then also on top of that, we're going to have a lawyer come and teach about trademarking. And then we're going to do a mastermind with Adam Shatterley, who has his own uh, beauty podcast over from the UK. He's coming out and he's going to host a mastermind in the afternoon. So the day is packed full of stuff. And then in the evening, we have the Lash Booth Collective, which has Jenna Cash, Ashley Gonzalez, and Gretchen McKay from SoCo, Beautylicious, and My Brand Lashes are all coming together to teach business in the evening. And that's a separate course that you can take in the evening. Or if you want, we have Lash Lab on Saturday morning with Otto Mitter teaching about lamp, lamp brow and lash lamination. And uh, Timon Nina, <laughs> I'm going to butcher her name, I'm so sorry, from Designer Eye Pro. Um, she is uh, money making pictures. Allie Lilly is teaching Slay the Strip Lash Look, and Testing My Wife is teaching Overcoming the Lash Allergy. So if you have an array, you can still go back and buy this. You don't have to have the LashCon ticket, or I mean, if you have the ticket, you can still add those on later, and we'll see that, and we'll combine your tickets when you arrive in uh, November. All right. Anyhow, also, we still have standard tickets, 70% plus have sold out, so don't keep delaying. You can spread out your payments over four weeks, so or four weeks, four payments over really four months. So it's really doable. It's like 189 or something like that a month over four months. So go get to the link in the bio, show notes or just go to Instagram or the lashconference.com and get your tickets today. All right, that's all I have for announcements. Let's get in now with Mo where we sit down and really talk about all things salon ownership. Hey guys, we are here in the studios with Mo Hamill. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. We are super <laughs> excited to see you here. And you keep popping up uh, all over the place for me personally. I've not shared this. I, <laughs> I remember last year you were a big contributor to our TikTok uh, oh, yes, competition. Yes, yes, yeah, yes I mean, love your TikTok. She had like a thousand TikToks. She <laughs> turned into it. <laughs> and then I remember seeing you. You're very active on social and you're very proactive and I know you really push your salon and you try to get out there and you do everything you can. And I just keep seeing you in things like you were in the untamed artistry, I know thing and uh, competition. And it's just really cool to see you putting it out there and you seem like a real go-getter. So it seemed very obvious. We had to get you in here (laughs) to talk about your business and your salon. And and something I wanted to tell our listeners that I, I needed to apologize for like, I don't know, for more than two years, I think I haven't had like a Sloan or like someone with staff on. We've had a lot of lash artists on brands and different people working in partnerships, but I felt like we haven't just had a hardcore salon owner who's just in the trenches, making it work, suffering in silence probably a lot of times, (laughs) but, but still doing great work. And so, Mo, we're excited to have you join us today. Thank you so much. I really am happy to be here. And I agree with you. It's time to get the salon owners out there. That's right. They are the unsung heroes. I mean, you know, in our industry, most people, it's really built up of independent artists working alone in a room. And those of us who take on the responsibility and the commitment and the risk to train and provide the clients and the opportunities for the lash artists, I don't think that they get a fair shake. So I hope that we can share with our audience some of the wonderful things that you're up to um, and with some of the wonderful benefits of working for a salon. And also the struggles. I really want people to understand that it's not, you know, and I know life, people know life is hard. Oh, life is hard. Yeah, we get it. But we, you, you have unique struggles, I think, as a salon owner that you don't have when you work solo 
or if you work with a brand or if you have any other kind of service or industry. It's, it's a unique struggle. And so hopefully we'll highlight some of those things. But let's get into it. Um, truth is, I don't know a whole lot about you, Mo. I, I've seen you so much <laughs> and I know about your business a little bit. But you personally, it's kind of exciting. We're going to find out your story, how you came into beauty and all that. So maybe you can start off with how you got into beauty and, and why the lash industry? Why not be an auto mechanic or something like that? <laughs> So I started actually in the hair industry when I was 19. I never did hair. I always started as a business person. I went to college, got my business degree while I was running a salon, ended up staying with the hair industry as an owner slash co-owner, the business person doing all the books, all the business stuff that is who I am at heart. And so I did that for a long time. Can I ask where you grew up and and where you went to school? I actually grew up in Austin, but I live in Friendswood now, which is south of Houston. And I graduated from UH Clear Lake, which is University of Houston. It's the little suburb one. Graduated there. After I finished like community college, I was very over it. I was not that person who was like, let's go party and do the college stuff. I want it to be done. (laughs) I was like, get this done with. I don't care about that stuff. Let's just get it over with. And in that funny, I thought as a business person, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a pharmaceuticals rep as I walked across the stage. Oh, wow. And that was my goal for a few years was like, I'm going to be a pharmaceutical rep. This is my dream. Good good money. (laughs) Yes. And that's what it was back then. You were entertaining clients. You were doing all that stuff and did a few interviews with a lot of pharmaceutical companies and their main reason for not hiring me was because I was partners in a salon and they didn't think I could walk away from it. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. You would think that they'd be like, wow, you have really good experience building a clientele, all this stuff. And no, they were like, we don't think you'll walk away from it. And I was like, you pay me enough. I'll walk away from it. I promise. <laughs> but if you get paid well, though, I think most salon owners are like, yeah, you give me six digits and I'll walk out that door. Yes. In a heartbeat. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Yeah. And so... That kept me in the salon industry. Mm. And then in 2010, in our area, lashes were beginning to be talked about. And I was partners with a friend. And I remember us asking all the hairdressers, hey, we'll send you to this lash class, you know, and you can start offering lashes. We want to start offering them here. We think they're going to be a really big hit. And every single hairstylist was like, nope, that's too hard. I don't want to sit and do the same thing over and over. You know, hairdressers like to move. Yeah and do all that stuff. Very social too, because you get to be in the community usually in the room talking, hanging out versus. And that's how our our salon was. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to be in a room confined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my friend and I went and took the class. We were like, we'll go learn and then we'll just teach one of them. Mm -hmm. I took the class. It was literally maybe like seven hours, which is (laughs) shocking to me now. Yeah. (laughs) I had nobody outside of that class to help me like guide me. I remember one day I called the person who trained me and I was like, how do you get glue out of cotton? You know, like I got it on my shirt or something. And she was like, yeah, no, no honey, no. that doesn't come out of that. And it was like my favorite shirt. And I was like, oh, but I remember doing it and thinking, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And what am I getting myself into? Why would I do this? Mm-hmm. But then something switched because I had always been the face of the salon, talking to the clients, socializing. Once I had that one-on-one time with them and got to get deeper, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with that process of your clients opening up to you. I got in my rhythm finally. And I that's what pulled me in was mm-hmm. I loved 
the one-on-one with the clients. And for being a manager for so long, I was like, I don't want to manage anybody anymore. I want to walk away and I want to just be by myself. Yes. And so I happened. <laughs> There's something very special about the, the lashing service. It is so intimate. The client is super vulnerable, but they feel very safe. And it does create this environment for vulnerability and trust, and which is really special. So I'm not surprised that you you really found it because you're personable. You like to go, you know, I'm I'm sure people trusted you and then they wake up and they feel amazing. It's a different world. I mean, compared to hair, I mean, all you have to do is go to IBS and IECSC in Vegas and you can see the esthetician side, which is the IECSC side. It's all more quiet, serene, intimate. And then you go to IBS and it's like the 24 hour party scene. Like everyone's just going crazy, (laughs) throwing things, music's blasting. It's just a different mentality, a different approach. And I actually think estheticians and cosmetologists who do end up in the skincare and lashes and all that, it's a little bit more intimate. It's a little bit more hands-on, right? Than the hair. I mean, all the hairstylists now hate me, but uh, (laughs) it's just a different world, different mentality, different DNA. But you know, the hair industry is what pulled me in because of how fun the industry is. It is lively. It is fun. It is vibrant. It is all these personalities and that's why I loved being in a salon. Yeah. I loved the fun in it. And so in transitioning to the lash side, yeah, it was quiet with my client, but I was still having that fun with my friends who work there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, in fact, I'll just give a shout out for LashCon. I think that said, I've had some hair people come to LashCon and say, okay, LashCon's more funny than a hair event I go to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've been to hair shows and all that stuff with being in the hair industry before and they're wowing you it's all that wow factor and it's you know let me throw confetti at you let me throw this at you let me you know and it's fun but there's also a a darker side of the hair industry that people fall into everyone i talk to who's in the hair world some of the people come to lash con say this is just a different vibe it's a different feel (laughs) it's it is a newer industry and i think we're a little bit more innocent I think yes, there's a little, 100%. yeah, and I think where there's a little bit more of a sisterhood going on with our industry because we haven't been spoiled by time yet. I feel like we have such an amazing group of influencers in our industry who are kind-hearted, who want to give, who want to help and support others. I mean, people like you, and I see people like Jamie and people like Shelby and Cheryl Fontaine. You got all these people. And when you get to know them, you're like, oh, man, these are really sincere, real people. They're not, they're not just all about themselves and about blowing up their brands just so they can laugh and make money, they actually care. So it is a little bit different. In the hair industry and the events and stuff like that, even though there's that party atmosphere, there is not the community atmosphere. Oh, you're right. And being in the hair salon industry for so many years, there was never a time where I walked to the person in walking distance who had a salon and said, hey, we'd like to collaborate. Or, hey, I know, let me meet you. There was never a time because everybody was competition. Yeah. No matter what. That's how it was looked at. That's what I was raised in is the hair salon right down the street is competition. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. And that's how it's always been. Yeah. And that's just embedded. I mean, the hair world has been weird since, gosh, people getting the haircuts probably for a long time. So it's lashes are really new. And I think that's something cool that we, I think so far, and, and they're always catting this. We're going to, some are going, I've been around that lash world. It's very catty. Yes. There's cattiness and there's all that nastiness too. But I think overall, when I keep, because I always defer to people who've been in this industry for 30, 40 years, and then they come into our world 
like the Wynn Claybaugh's or Ted Gibson or some of these other people who um, like came to our sponsors last year. We had some people like from Strategies who you know. They've been working and coaching companies for over 25 years. Forrest, who was our sponsor last year, they are a software company that works with hair salons. And they all come together and go, yeah, there's something totally different going on in this group. This is not what I see in the hair world. This is a energized and a supportive and almost like a truly like the family, like what everyone else aspires to be, but you just don't get there. And it's really special. And if you're listening and you're new to Lash Industry, welcome to hopefully what will be the most loving, fun group of people you've ever met. And that's why you should go to LashCon or go to other conferences like Beauty Factor or any of these other things because you will get to meet and connect with these people. And if you put yourself out there a little bit, I think you'll be shocked how many people are just really like, hey, why don't we work together? And yeah, yeah. you're my competition, but we'll find a way. I think we can all make money. Pie is big enough. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so you got into this. You started working and loving lashing and all that. When did you decide, because you, you sound like you didn't want to be a salon owner. <laughs> but that obviously didn't stay that way. Something changed. No. What changed? What, I mean, did you just get so busy? You just said, uncle, all right, fine, I'll hire someone. I mean, what was the whole process yeah. for you? So I left the hair salon that I was at after two years of doing lashes there. I had been there for a while. But after two years of lashing, I was like, okay, I'm done managing. I'm done being that person, I just want to be a lash artist and be by myself. I went and rented a studio. And after three months, I was booked solid. Yay! And I got a call from a client, a new client. And she was like, okay, I'd like to get on your books. You know, that then I told her it would be like a month or two out. And she physically yelled at me. And like, <laughs> I felt assaulted over the phone. I was oh my like, gosh. You know, and of course I was like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I don't, I, there's just one of me. I only have two hands. I was working 15 hour days, seven days a week. Yeah. That was I tough. Was new, yeah. I was newly married. I had no children. I was like, let's do this. Did I burn myself out? A hundred percent. But within three months I was booked solid. And I was so upset about that lady yelling at me because obviously I'm secretly a people pleaser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I came home and my husband was like, it's okay. You're, you know, he's the positive one. Like, that shows you how good you're doing. Like you can see the lights. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This woman is yelling at me. She's going to go leave me a review saying I didn't get her in. And I posted it on Facebook and a guy friend commented on, I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to please all these people who are mad at me for not getting them in. And he says, it looks like you're going to expand. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just left that three months ago. And he was like, I think it's time for you to expand. I think, it's time for you to get people who work for you. And my husband jumped on it and was looking for places. And he was like, <laughs> this is you. I'm like, no, I want to be alone. I love this. And it literally just worked out. I was in a year contract. And with those last nine months, my husband was just randomly driving me around the town. Like, what about this place? What? And I'm like, stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> well, then he took me to the park that we got married in. and there was a blue house in that park. I guess there used to be houses in the park. And I always wanted like a cozy house. If I ever was going to do it, that was my goal. Yeah. He was like, hey, that house in the park we got married, it's for rent. (gasps) No. He set up the meeting. (laughs) We walked in and the guy was like, you know, I haven't, I've been trying to lease this place for years and nobody has ever like just felt right, but you feel right. Oh wow. my goodness. And I was like, wait, what? This is happening? <laughs> <laughs> my husband was like, 
as you're signing the contract, he's very much the person who I'm on the ledge, like thinking about everything. And he's like, just jump, just go. And within a year of being on my own, I was opening the salon and had four or five people already ready to work for me. I didn't have to hire anybody. All my people I knew just came to me and were like, I'll do lashes. I'll do this. So it was super organic. Yeah, it was meant to be for sure. That's super cool. I mean, what an amazing, I mean, uh, I guess kudos to your husband, right? <laughs> to push you. I mean, it's, it's a little similar to us. I mean, Tuss, I think, was pushing a little harder, but I know that you you did want to hire. But I, I do know that I was there the whole time encouraging her to say, hey, it's great you're busy. You're great. You're, you're in demand. You got bigger things. And I yeah. started seeing, like, the possibilities. Like, oh, my gosh, she's doing this well by herself. Imagine if we have, like, even more staff and all the stuff and the money can even be better and and then reality sets in, and then you find out what <laughs> you can have more staff and actually make less money and not get paid and not what? get paid. So <laughs> we're just kind of going organically. Since I brought that up, and it sounds like you're in some sort of agreement. Share with maybe that whole, I guess, realization as you bring on staff and how it's not. Hey, I get fifty percent. You get fifty percent. And I'm laughing all the way to the bank, you know, in the middle of the night, we always joked that we had a truck that backed up to our office and we just piled the money well, out of the salon. that's what they think. That's what people think that you're doing. We crossed some threshold where it became adversarial and we had this desire to be as generous and as cool as possible. But no matter what we did in some ways, there was always a level of suspicion and mm-hmm. that was hard. Did you find you had the same thing? For sure. And funny it wasn't mainly for my employees at first mm-hmm. it was from outside people oh. I remember outside people just going oh you own a business you're rich I'm oh like, <laughs> oh wait um I didn't get that note where's the money yeah I'm like uh no I'm not like I haven't paid myself in months what are you talking about and I've been blessed enough to have girls that never like question yeah that is I mean they may have like in the long-term thought you know what? I can go out on my own and make this amount of money. So I'm yeah. going to do it and have people left me and done that. Yes. Are they doing better? I don't know. Do I wish them the best? Of course. But nobody came, has ever come to me directly and been like, what are you doing with my money? Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I, mean, I know what they're thinking. Yeah. If I'm making this much working this many hours and if I don't give her half, I can go make this much somewhere else. They think it's so easy yeah. And of course, I've seen lots of my girls have left and not succeeded. Lots of my girls have left and succeeded. They're just either you're made for it or you're not. And a lot of people don't have that business sense with the lash sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost no one has any business sense because no one really gets training in our industry, right? They just get really good at a craft. And the what's the book I'm thinking? The um, E-Myth. He goes in this whole concept. Just because you're a great baker or a great mechanic doesn't mean you're a great business owner because it, it's a yeah, whole different, different skill set. And so yes. you need to build systems and really learn new skills and grow in that area before you really can be successful in business. And I think a lot of people just think, I'm a great lash artist, so of course I'll be a great business owner. And those mm-hmm. two things are not a guarantee. When someone, especially if they work for someone who makes it look easy, and mm-hmm. we've had team members come back to us and go, man, you guys made it look really easy. You made it easy. Yeah, yeah it was like, I just knew that I always had clients. Every day I walked in, oh, my books are full. I didn't have to worry about it. And I got paid and went home. And then once you leave, now you have to deal with clients who are unhappy. Inventory. Inventory, pay the bills. You have to 
you know, answer the phone when you don't want to because it's after five and you just know that tomorrow you have two openings and you really want to fill them. So guess what? Yeah. I'm answering the phone at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. at night or texting people say, hey, would you like to get in? And so all these things go away, and which is fine because some people mm-hmm. go, give it to me. I want that. But yeah. for some people, and I think more people than they realize, that's a great way to go. It's a good path. It's a healthy path. It allows you to have good boundaries. It allows you to work on someone else's tutelage and be trained by someone. There's no shame in that. And you're not bad. Lash artists are stupid because are a fool, which I've seen people really shame people like, I can't believe you work for someone else. Well, we were talking about this just before we started recording, Mo, where you were saying that every class that you've ever taken, they're telling you, you should go and start your own business. Mm-hmm. And we've also experienced that. And what I think that is, is because they're just modeling or just replicating what they've been modeled. They mm-hmm. haven't worked in a salon. They haven't had that experience before. So they don't understand that there is another avenue. And part mm-hmm. of working in you know a salon or working for a team is that you're learning on somebody else's wings. They're flying already. And there's a lot more safety for you to yeah. learn your craft and, and to, to get good at it and to have something underneath you in case you falter. For sure. I have to just add two more points to that because I, I would say that what's really going on, we're in the age of entrepreneur. And because we're in the age of entrepreneur, everyone feels like they need to be an entrepreneur. Like, hey, Instagram makes it easy. Hey, um, we can do this. I, I don't really need anyone anymore. And I'm watching Gary Vee and he's like, go follow your happiness and, and all these things. And everyone's, you have all these motivation speakers like pursue your dreams, you know, screw everyone else. Don't care about anyone. Love yourself, all this stuff. And everyone's like, that's it. I, the only way I can do this is by having my own business. And, and so we're this weird age of the entrepreneur where not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone's meant to be a salon owner or a business owner. And also I think that trainers want to tell people what they want to hear, right? They're not saying what they need to hear. They want, they're telling what they want to hear. They want to hear, yeah, you should be an owner or you should do this. And then the employee, because they pay their training, are like, oh my gosh, I should, you're right. That makes them really happy to think that, which is again, not a bad idea for a lot of people. But I can assure you for some people out there who have been working solo and are just feeling the grind and have and really miss connection too because you really get community when you're on a team. Maybe you should think about going back to a salon. Maybe go to Houston and apply to work with Mo. I just yeah, or go work with Shelby over in Austin. That seems like all my salon owners are down in Texas. I mean, Um, if you don't have the personality that thrives on confronting issues and. You know, if that's not necessarily in your skill set, like you can do it, but you don't enjoy it, give that responsibility to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I want to change our paradigm that if you work for somebody else, you have lower status. It's really not the case. No. Not at all. Not at all. Now, for you, how did you go about, I mean, initially, so you people came into your business and all that. Is, is that always been for you? Is it just knowing people and people want to come work for you? Or do you have a system now in place for how you go out and find employees and staff? So it's obviously changed over the years. Had my group, of course, that was like a core group of friends. Mm-hmm. So you know where that led to. I always hate to bring up the hurricane, but lost the salon and Hurricane Harvey in 2017. Um, and I lost those people with the salon. And wow. I can see it now as God was clearing out what wasn't supposed to be there. But at that time, it was the most heartbreaking thing is to know that these are the people 
I thought were the closest to me, they're not. (laughs) They're not. And then since then, I was blessed enough. One of our clients is a doctor and she literally was in walking distance of us outside of the park. And she offered me a room to work out of. And I only had one employee that stayed with me after the hurricane. And of course, it was because I I was the only one who lost my home too. I lost my vehicles. I had a sick five-month-old at home who had just gotten out of the NICU. (gasps) And so it was like, do I choose my family and find us a place to live? Or do I choose a workplace and find them a place to work? Yeah. And I had to make that choice. And my family came first, Mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. And so the salon was closed for about a month. And then we reopened and one of the girls came back. She said she wanted to come back. And from her, it just kept growing and growing. And the doctor is a med spa owner. Yeah. So it's a med spa. It's huge. And when they were ready to expand, they asked me if I wanted to be a part of that expansion. Can I just brag about how gorgeous your place is? Yeah. Oh, Oh, my goodness. It is like designer. It is so beautiful. They've got this one wall and it's all done in like watercolor. And the style is so chic and so on point. And it's 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 luxe. It is. Oh my gosh, it is so amazing. Yeah, we got to see it because we were judging the salon category and we got to see yours and we fell in love with your space. It was amazing. It's beautiful. So you got to go in and look at her space because it's just it gorgeous. It is so dreamy and I didn't decorate it. <laughs> <laughs> just benefit uh, of a my, good doctor nearby. I, yes. So her sister is an interior designer. Oh. And I remember when they said, we're going to expand, we're going to create like a selfie wall and we got in. I, I had no idea what was going into what it was going to look like. And the doctor, of course, she's a doctor. She's extremely busy. So I just trusted what they said. And then I went in there and I was like, oh, my gosh, you weren't kidding. Yeah. This is like no, it's the real next deal. level. It is so beautiful. Yeah, you're really blessed in that regard. So Very much so. Very much so. And I always, um, everybody's like, oh, you're well. I'm like, no, 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 that's not my, it's in my waiting area. Yeah. But she did it. I didn't do it. It's yeah. You know what's funny is I actually think I now remember seeing about you on Instagram, people talking about your salon, your situation back in 2017 after Harvey. Mm -hmm. Because I I do remember remember hearing a couple stories about last salons I had to close. And and maybe yours was one of them. I don't know. But I can't imagine many things worse than that. I mean, COVID's been bad, but to literally physically have your space destroyed where you can't go back. How did you work through that? I mean, how do you not just quit and say, screw it. I'm just going to go back and do work at McDonald's or something. I mean, that's a tough transition. That was a thought. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I going? And I remember every night I would just talk to my husband. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. My number one goal is my child. He's sick. So I was in mama bear mode, mm-hmm. but all the salon stuff, funny, when you ask that, it feels like such a blur, but I remember how important to, how important it was to me and how devastated I was. But now looking back, it's such a blur because I remember just sitting there going, God, tell me where I'm going. Please give me a sign. Am I going this way? Am I reopening? Because I really thought I was done. I thought it's time to close. And then doors just kept opening. People just kept reaching out to me. And they were like, I mean, friends of friends, people I didn't know were like, hey, I have a place with a room you can lash out. And I was like, okay, God, is that what you apparently want me to do? Because I really thought I was done. Even if you did hear about it, I get weird talking. Like I can feel I'm getting hot and (laughs) (laughs) emotional about it. A lot of lash companies reached out to me and offered me 
amazing things. Last Joy from across. Oh, wow. Fun. Yeah. We literally, I woke up one day to packages and she sent me Glamcore lights. She sent oh. me stools. She sent me Goodness. boxes of tweezers. She, I mean, we had never even met. Wow. And she sent me all this stuff. Beautiful. And then I have a friend here in Houston who worked with Extreme Lash. She kind of partnered with them. And I guess she had reached out to them. They sent me five beds. They oh sent me pillows. They sent me, I don't know if you've ever heard about Extreme Lashes kit that comes with the training. It's the biggest kit you'll ever see. Oh. Like it's boxes upon boxes. And they sent me those. Oh my. And I was like, okay, God, this, I mean, I'm being supplied the tools to do this. Why would I not do it? Wow. It was so weird to have. So many people, not weird, it was a blessing. Yeah. For people I didn't know in the Lash community to just to reach out pour into me. And love you. And I didn't even know who they were. It was just somebody told them or they saw on social media or you know, random stuff. And it was, okay, if, if I have the stuff and the tools, why would I not use them? Wow. Oh my goodness. Oh, I love how? that. That's so inspiring. And I'm so proud of that our, story. our that's, community. That's yes. so weird. Yeah. So weird because I haven't told that story and I'm like, Yeah. That's really cool. And I think that's where in our industry, again, a little difference by our industry, right? Where you see yeah, this love and care and concern, even for someone you don't really know. And hopefully if you're listening, this is something you keep in mind because there's always someone in our community struggling. There's always people yeah. having a hard time. Someone's building got burglarized or it burned Somebody down. Got broken into one yeah. of our one of our friends. She <sighs> she was burglarized. Yeah, or or you end up having a walkout. Like your staff walks out, and all of a sudden you're back to square one. Or you have some weird tax thing that goes we on. Start I mean, a fund. They're, they're, we should start something. So there's always yeah. people in need, and it's one of those things where you pass it forward. Where people, if you've been blessed, if you've been given yeah. much, then. Man, look for others that you can help out to lift you up because I think it's really encouraging to hear that, to see other brands reaching out to you. That's, I I love to see more of that. I wish, uh, you know, I don't know anyone extreme. I've tried to reach extreme and talk to them. Unfortunately, it's hard to get through the corporate shield (laughs) shield over there. But, um, but, uh, but last joy too. I actually never met her, but I've known of her for a long time and what she's doing down there in Australia. So that's really, really cool. So for you, we talked about finding staff. You found that as far as now, when you find staff, do you have a system or a process? Do you do you just do an ad in the paper? Do you go to schools? How do you go about finding people? So funny. I actually messaged you not too long ago because I was like, what right. in the world? <laughs> Why is there not a site for beauty professionals for jobs? Why it has changed, I mean, just completely and and I'm sure it's out there and I just haven't found it or either I need to create it or something. Mm-hmm. Hey, but opportunity. I know. I think there should be a beauty professional. Yeah. What is it? Website or, or website. Yeah. Yes. yes. Where you can apply for jobs. So in the past, I've always posted on social media and it's worked. Okay. So easy. Yes. But this year when I reached out to you, I was like, okay, I posted in May of last year. This is how long I've been looking. Mm. And just last month, people started reaching out. Wow, it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, it's just people, I've looked on Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Talked with LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn. No, that's not going to be. Somebody told me it was hit or miss. Yeah, it's going to be very hit and miss because LinkedIn is uh, is a little too stuffy, I think, for beauty professionals. Yes, 
Yeah, you know. it's more suit and tie. It is. It's yeah. total suit and tie. It's not Instagram yeah. is for the artist, for the crazy, for the wild, for the fun. And and yeah. then you go over the and, and basically LinkedIn, you're like, can I take a nap? Because it's <laughs> as boring of a social media platform as there is. Thank you. It's suit and tie. <laughs> I'm not even on it. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. But I mean, it has its place, man. I mean, we do some consulting and it's helped us in that area, but definitely if you're looking to be a lash salon and artist, I don't think that's the place to go. I think posting on your social media, the behind the scenes, what it's like to be on a team, people will be attracted to you go, Oh, look, looks fine. I know when we did that, we would get DMS and people reaching out to us like, wow, your salon looks really cool. Well, tell me more. I'd be interested. So, but like you said, for the last year, it's been, it has it's been changed. A, ever since COVID, I think. Yeah. Why do you think it is COVID? But what specifically behind all that do you think it is? You know, I really, I haven't figured it out. I was also going to say I've gone to schools, the training schools here, not a lot of luck there. I know in the past when I've gotten people from the schools here, they unfortunately weren't getting the training they needed. And so that's why I'm really happy that Shelby is opening or has opened the education, you know, with her studio now in Austin. But I really, I haven't pinpointed what it is. I don't know if people are scared to start somewhere new, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Well, I think it's the, a lot of things, but I think the great resignation is affecting even the beauty industry where a lot of people were in beauty and they realized they were just doing it because they fell into it, but not because mm-hmm. they were passionate about it. And I think they decided, you know what? When the government gave out money, free money for a year and a half or so, people did okay. I mean, really overall, most people I know got money. We got money. Everyone I know got money of some sort. And they didn't, none of us worked for that money. We just got it for free. In fact, I actually even think a lot of last brands were started with COVID money. So it's been an interesting transition or season for people because a lot of people had a little extra money. We're okay living with a little bit less because also we didn't spend a lot for the last year or two because we haven't traveled. We can't go buy a lot of things. So people have been saving. So I think gave people a lot more choices than before. And they were like, well, maybe I'll try this or maybe I'll try that. I actually read an article because I was one great resignation. How did everyone just quit their job? I mean, you, everyone still needs mm-hmm. to make a living. We didn't just go from our workforce declining by what, 5 10%, whatever it was, and they all just went on retirement. That didn't happen. And then I found out almost everyone went and started their own business. That mm-hmm. it, We are, like I said, the Asian entrepreneur. And so, so many of these people went out and started online businesses, online coaching, online services of some sort that would help people. And I think a lot of, in the beauty world, I think people decided to get dip their toe in something new and different. Because I've noticed some people that I followed have disappeared overnight, just like, boom, mm-hmm. what happened? They're no longer doing lashes. And yeah. I realize it's because I think the resignation even affected our industry. And But it's all going to even out over time because I think a lot of these people's money, it's going to run out. And some of them are going to succeed, some are not. And those who don't will learn, oh, I guess I go back to my first craft, the <laughs> thing that I know best. And you will see things like Indeed and social media begin to pick up. But it's going to take time and patience mm-hmm. and a lot of hard work and... <laughs> Just yeah. not growing as fast as, as, we, as we want. So for you, is hiring right now, you just said people are just now reaching out. Did you have more demand than you could take care of over this last year? Or was it just like you were just hoping you kind of primed it only as needed or, you know, grew only if a, it really client demand was there? So the reason I was looking was because one of my full-time flash artists was leaving. Mm. She was going out on her own, but she's like 30 miles away or 30 minutes away from me. So I knew she was leaving. So I was like, I need somebody to pick up that slack. Yeah. So that's originally why I was looking. And then of course the holidays came and I was like, uh, who's going to take all the time? So So we're resending people away. We were. And then 
now I'm in a position where my busiest girl is going on maternity leave early. Oh no. I'm like, you know, it never ends. Yeah, it never it's ends. Always okay. So that's why I'm looking now is because she's going on maternity leave and yeah. she's fully booked. Yeah. Towards the end, uh, when we were running the salon, we were always recruiting. We were always looking because our hiring process took so long anyway. It took one to two months. We to, were really uh, looking yeah. for the right fit, the best fit, not somebody who just has the skills, but the right yes. person. And so that takes time. So I might encourage you to think about keeping a policy where you're always accepting and always looking. Well, I think after last year of not having anyone, I think that's probably what you have to do now. Yeah, that's, right. Because that's what we realized is it was hard to turn on the switch to start hiring yes. like a month or two before. It was too late at that point. We were going to miss <laughs> the window. The person was going to step down or yeah. go on maternity leave and we were just weren't going to fill it. And then Tustany mm-hmm. would just end up working crazy hours to yeah. make up for all that. So yeah. what people need to see is that generally speaking, if you're a salon, you should always be receiving resumes and always recruiting. We saw this uh, conference where someone talked about their Instagram. They really see their Instagram feed, their stories all be about recruiting new staff. If you're a salon, it wasn't just about attracting clients. They always made sure every week they did stuff that featured the staff. And, and then that helps twofold, right? It helps make you, your clients see the staff and really like your staff because they look fun, looks great. But also for other lash artists who see your feed, they're getting a little peek behind the curtain to see what's it really like to work for you. And yeah. when that time comes, when maybe they're tired of hustling on their own, maybe they're tired of having to run around, do everything themselves, or may they hit a hard spot that they might reach out and go, you know what, mm-hmm. I've been following you for a year. And my life's changed. Maybe they, or I know a lot of times if you have a kid, you're like, I just need to pull back a little bit. I'd just rather work 20, 30 hours a week and not have to run a business anymore. And I can work for someone else who takes care of all that. So there's a, yeah, just that permanent stage of hiring is something that we learned. It helped us a lot to finally have that. But hopefully there's just more candidates coming soon. For you. I know, right? I know. And I, you know, when you talked about that, like showing your staff, I love to show my staff on the business page. And they do not like it. Oh, no. Yeah, you're <laughs> They're right. I'm so that. shy. They want to be hidden. And I'm like, no, you're the one who's touching them. I need to show your face. I'm not touching them. Yeah. And my girls get so shy and nervous. And I'm like, you guys. So I plan photo shoots so they'll feel pretty. And I'll post those pictures. But behind the scenes, they are very like, no, don't post that of me. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, so true. yeah, no, that's so true. I'm bragging about you. I you know. It makes you feel good. Yeah, there are people in our staff that if I was filming something, I remember they would just look, like try to hide as soon as I was on Instagram. <laughs> hey, here we are. And they're like, ah, they're trying to get off the camera. Like, I forget. Not everyone wants to be Insta famous. A lot of yes. people just yeah. <laughs> want to live their life quietly and peacefully. And that's okay, too. You got to respect your team's boundaries. Now, how do you position your company in your area? What do you have a kind of like unique selling point or something that you feel like makes you guys, guys for? you know, separate yourselves from the rest of the industry in your area? Honestly, I think it's all been customer service. I have bent over backwards since the beginning. And in being in the hair industry, I loved being at the front because I could talk to everybody and I knew everybody. So everybody was like, oh, you're the face of the company. Yeah. Well, in the lash business, I'm not technically the face because I'm not at the front desk. I was doing this service for so long, nobody ever got to meet me. And I really miss that connection with people. So over the years, I've really tried to like every new client I personally reach out to. Mm-hmm. I'm not lashing, so why can't I, you know? So I reach out to every single new client and I'm like, how is your service? Is it, you know, I ask them how they're doing with their lashes, you know, 
I try to make it a point to let them know it's me and that I'm connecting with them and try to connect with them. And I've even like made connections, just I'm the one doing the social media. So I'll be like, Hey, it's Mo. How are you? I know you come in a lot. Sorry. I haven't met you in person or when I'm in the studio, I'll make an effort to introduce myself. So it's really, I really just feel like the customer services, everything. Yeah. That's really a unique selling point because by doing that, Mo, you make people feel so important. You know, have you ever been in the restaurant where the manager comes over and says, how are you enjoying your evening? That kind of stuff. You know, it makes them feel special. Oh, that the owner is connecting with me. And the other thing is that when you do that, they're having a relationship with you, the salon. Yeah not just the person who's doing the lashes. So because you want them to be loyal to your business. So by taking that time, kissing those babies and, you know, shaking hands, mm-hmm. it really is carving out that relationship. I just thought of something really fun I might do sometime. I next time we go to a restaurant, I'm just gonna walk up to another table and go, How are you enjoying your meal? Like I'm the manager. <laughs> You're such a weirdo. And just be like, hey, you know, if you need anything, don't worry, the meal's comped on me and I walk away. Oh, just totally make great drama and mess all the, the salon up. But you're right. Everybody up. Yeah, yeah. But but back to more seriously, customer service is really the big differentiator now from a lot of people. Joey Coleman, who we had our, come to LashCon two years ago, he wrote a book about how never to lose a customer again. And Such he, a good book. It's a great book. Best book on customer service I've ever read. Really highly recommend it. But he really talked about today with all the innovations, all the automation, all this different stuff, if you really want to stand out in your market, it's going to come down to customer service. That makes you better than other people because most yeah. people just do average. Most people just do bare minimum. I remember walking mm-hmm. into a Subway. I was, I've used this example plenty of times on this podcast. But I walk in and Subway has this policy. I haven't been to Subway in greet years. Greet every person. But you have to greet every person. That's the policy. So the guy begrudgingly goes, I'm like, I was like, I literally couldn't understand what he said. And I knew he was greeting me, but yeah. it was like mumble town. And so I kind of said, I didn't hear what you said. And he goes, welcome to Subway. And he's, you know, and I'm like, I felt that one, that love. <laughs> it was like. Right there in the chest. Yeah, I just was like, oh, this, this is my home. I belong <laughs> in Subway. And it was sad because I just felt like they have the policy, but they don't have mm-hmm. the training and they don't have the execution. And so yeah. you can say you have all these things, but to actually do it, not the same thing. Yeah, big time. Now for you, what's been something you love about being a salon owner? So I know we shared some things that were tough. You've lost your salon. You've had issues and all sorts of stuff. But what is it that you love? What, I mean, so hopefully people like go, all right, Paul and Tuss aren't just down on the salon ownership here. There's some good sides to it too. Yes. Well, you know, and just touching base, you say all these people who do lashes, they want to go and be on their own. So then if you ask 90% of those people, what do they see their five-year plan being? I want to open my own salon. Of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hold on. I'm so confused. Yeah. (laughs) And I get it. It's a facade. They think you're rich. They think you have all this power. And that wasn't even the point of it for me. Like, Number one, I am a business person. So I do love the business part of it. You like the math, the numbers, the yeah. planning, the strategizing. I, I, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I have recently fallen in love with marketing thanks mm-hmm. to social media. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> marketing has changed a lot. <laughs> yeah. I just made a post recently. I was like, uh, do y'all know what the yellow pages are? Did any of y'all ever have to <laughs> what? 
fill out that stupid form and pay $2,000 to be in the yellow, yellow pages. Yeah. yeah. And you see yeah. that phone call. I remember I get a phone call. Hey, this is uh, the yellow pages calling. We want to get you in this year's um, thing. Do you want to be, you'd always get the standard listing, but then they want to know yes. if you want to get a real listing with a <laughs> generic ad that's like post that's so ugly. And I, yes. by the way, I, Way long ago, back in my 20s, I for a short time worked in that world. Not in that Yellow Pages, but I worked for a guy. Money mailer. Money mailer. And I also (laughs) worked in advertising for newspapers. And I just remember, man, making the ads for that stuff sucked. It's just like put a square, put like an offer and then a bunch of facts and boring information. Like no creativity whatsoever. Horrible. Anyhow. Side note. Great. I got you off topic. Yeah. That happens to me all the time. Shiny (laughs) object. Yeah. Now, and and being a business owner, I really love the connections with the people. Honestly, that's what it all goes back to. I I love the creativity of the lash side, but then I love building those relationships with people like me as a person being one-on-one with them. I love that. I love building the relationships with their, with my girls' clients. Like it's just, it's been good to get out there and make myself socialize with these people. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I love just the building part. I didn't realize how much fun building was. I came from the film industry and I only thought making a movie was the only thing that could be exciting. And and then I learned, no, no, no. Building a business is just like making a movie. It's a project. It needs a lot of creativity. It's a story. It unfolds over time and you get twists and turns and there's points where you want to bash your head in and there's other times where you're just on a high because it just things yeah. work out and things and yeah. you see people grow and you see people where you thought was a, a, a moment of destruction for your company became a great moment of victory so yeah. those yeah. things all are really cool mm-hmm. one of the things too obviously you have leadership skills because you worked before in the salon world but mm-hmm. since you've reopened and taken the salon what areas in and as far as leadership do you feel like you have grown as a leader? What did you have to learn or where do maybe, and where do you go learn? Cause leadership, it's not like you have signs like sign up for leadership today and become a better leader. Yeah. Like how does that happen? Yeah. So with me, I've read a lot of books. Any favorites by the way on leadership? Of course, not off the top of my okay. head. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give one out there. Entree leadership. Yeah, if, you, if you check entree leadership, if you haven't read that book, it's a great one. It's really about entrepreneurship and leadership all kind of one. Great In book. One. I like that. I'm going to have to get that from you. Yeah. I guess naturally, just because I was in the salon industry before, I kind of fell into that role already. So it just kind of came naturally. But I think I tried to show my girls like, it's funny because I tried to show them like, hey, you can reach out to me about anything. I'm an open book. Let me help you. And they still get nervous to reach out to me. And I'm like, you guys, I am at your disposal. Disposal, use me for free. Like, ask me the questions you want to ask, learn the things you want to learn. And I try to be open like that with them. So they know as much as I am their leader, I still have a lot to give them and I want to offer them and be there for them. No, that's great. Being honest and open and transparent. I mean, that's a really important thing for any leader. Yes, for sure. And like I told you earlier, I went to the strategies conference in January and it really opened up my eyes that I was slacking as a leader within these last few years. So I need to step up my game. And as much as people think being a leader is easy, it's not. Yeah. At all. (laughs) Strategies is a wonderful resource. We were a strategy Mm -hmm. salon. That's where we learned everything that we needed to know. And that's what actually turned the tide and helped us to be better business owners was the leadership training that we got at Strategies. Yeah. By the way, I got another great book for you that if you haven't read yet, then I'm going to say shame on you because you went to Incubator. What book do you think I'm about to say? 
it related to strategies. They had to push it, I'm sure, at Incubator. I don't know. They sent me a book and I haven't read it No yet. Compromise. No Compromise no by Neil yes. 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 You're right. You're right. Yes. Guys, guys. All right, everyone. Right now, put down your hit list. Buy No Compromise <laughs> along with Entree Leadership. Those two books have highly influenced us and what we do. And basically, No Compromise is wonderful because really, as a leader, one of your biggest jobs is actually to hold everyone accountable. Yes. I'm going to set the standard. And we're going to stick to that standard because that's what excellence is for our company. And by the way, this is all the conversations you have before you hire someone. You let them know what your standards are and what you expect so they don't come in and and then you switch it on them. Like, wait a minute, you said I could show up every day in sweats and jeans if I wanted to. And now you're telling me I have to wear a uniform or something. And then that's a big switch on them. Like, then that gets them upset. But if you come in right in the get-go, like, hey, when you work here, we're professionals and we dress professionally in our salon. And then someone comes in unprofessional. Guess what? No compromise requires you to say, I'm not going to let that slide. I'm going to have to hold them accountable. And this is the number one thing I think that goes against everything that we are as beauty professionals because we are people pleasers. And when you're a people pleaser, you hate confrontation. You hate having to hold people accountable. (laughs) I mean, Tuss and I, in the early days, we would literally, I almost get sick when we thought we had to talk to a team member about yes. something hard, like just like, yes. I want to throw up. It's horrible. Yep. yep. <laughs> I'm the same way. And I think that's a big thing as a business owner. You have to set your boundaries just as much as we preach setting our boundaries with our clients. We have to set them within our salon. And mm-hmm. that has been a really hard one for me to learn because yeah. I am a people pleaser. Yeah. It is really hard and it can be really painful too, because I'm just speaking from experience. You want to treat people as friends and you want to continue to give a lot of grace, but sometimes that's not the best thing to do. I mean, it's great to have grace with everybody, but you really do need to keep people. But there's a line at some point. There is something where you go, okay, nope, that's it. You've crossed the line and we have to talk. We have to work through this. I'm sorry. And as long as you have those often and regularly, which I think you've probably, because I know you've talked, you're learning about strategy systems and all (laughs) that. That's heavy on communication, right? Yes. So, yeah, it's good stuff. So we'll we'll have to continue to see you in your journey with that. One thing I want to go back to, because you mentioned a little bit, and we didn't go into it too in depth, and we should probably then wrap up soon. And I like to talk about your Lash Bash, not Lash Fest, as I like to call it. There's a party coming up that you're going to throw, and I'm so excited about it. But we'll talk about it in a second. Let me get to to my other point. You made a comment that I want people to hear and understand. You said, I didn't get paid for months. Mm-hmm. Explain to me what that means. Because I don't know if everyone in the beauty world who's working solo understands what that really means. I understand not pay, but why? That doesn't make sense probably. Number one, your employees come first. You have to pay them. Yeah. Number two, there's your rent. There's your overhead. There's your products. There's, I mean, if I'm being bluntly honest, since Hurricane Harvey, have I paid myself correctly? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't gotten to that point because of the expansion, because of those things. But, and my CPA is like, you have to pay yourself. Like, yeah. no, that doesn't work. I'm also a firm believer in what I make goes back into my business. That's right. Yeah. A firm believer. And that's only because I was shown the wrong way to do that in the past at salons of people stealing from themselves, basically. Yeah. And so, any money I make from the salon always went back into the salon. Now, when I was working, it was a lot easier because I was like, oh, that, I made that money yeah. right there. I touched that client. Mm-hmm. But there were also times when I did clients and I didn't make a penny off of them. 
because my employees came first, my rent, my overhead, my inventory, all those things come first. And that's what people don't realize is when you're a salon owner, you aren't banking in the money. (laughs) You're the one making less than anybody else. You are. You are. And you're struggling to get by because if you're truly a good salon owner, you care about your employees. That's right. You put their needs first. And I've always been that person. And you keep investing in the salon. You keep making it nicer. And that's something that I would love for for people to understand that good salon owners are sacrificial. They are servant leaders because they are putting the needs of the staff and the salon first and they Mm -hmm. eat last. They go hungry to take care of their cubs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people just they just don't understand the cost. Like when we upgrade our chairs because our staff was like, our chairs suck. And we're like, we finally just said, all right, we got to get new chairs. And we got these really nice chairs and they cost us almost $5,000. And they were mad. I think you have that money sitting. Just now. sitting around. And I actually, I actually had to charge it. I put it on a credit card. I didn't have the money, yeah, but I promised them that we were going to get chairs eventually. And it was just going on too long. I finally said, screw it. I'll just get a credit card. I bought, got it, added a new credit card and immediately maxed it out with $5,000 in chairs. We also bought loops for our staff. So we had medical loops. Each of those loops was a little over $1,000 a piece. And we probably wow. had 15, 18 pairs of loops. So we had almost $20,000 in loops that we had paid for. Wow. Um, the tweezers we paid for, we bought every team member had, and I think three, six, 18 to 21 tweezers that they always had. Because they yeah. could be rotating because we never wanted to use dirty tweezers. And they always had three per set because if one fell on the floor or got dirty, yeah. they could just yeah. always have two. And we just learned as a system. But we spent thousands of dollars on tweezers, just on tweezers. Yeah. Nothing else. So all these things add up real quick. And, and, and then what's crazy, and when I hear like even with your case, and I've seen this with so many other people, salon owners, they're like the worst paid employees, yet they take all the liability like if anything goes wrong, yes. they're the ones on the hook. If they can, they yes. can get sued by clients, by staff, by strangers walking by the street because they have a salon. And everyone thinks they're rich, and everyone thinks they have insurance policies that will cover every situation. Mm-hmm. You take all this risk, you put all this energy, and then you get. Sometimes I've met many salon owners, both hair and lashes, who are making barely McDonald's wages. Or I yeah. remember this one gal who was in our building. She had a hair salon. She said, "I pay myself my tips. That's it." I get tip money. I used to do that. Uh-huh. And we used to put all the numbers, you know, so everyone, because it was a leaderboard, so everyone could see, you know, what the salon was doing so we would work. And yeah. we'd have people go, where does it all go? If they can spend money on chairs, if they can spend yeah. money on tweezers, why aren't they paying us more? Yeah. <laughs> we learned that, that their thought was if we spend a lot on stuff or we pay well, which we did, I think people just go, well, then they can must afford more if they can pay me this or if they can pay for that. And like we paid for a trip to Vegas a couple of times. We, twice we went to Vegas with our whole team, IBS, paid for all this stuff, paid for the hotels, paid for dinners. Wow. And it was a really expensive trip. And I think a lot of people after that go, well, if they can afford this, why can't they pay me more? Yes. Like they couldn't fathom that we as a couple, we live very humbly. We live mm-hmm. in kind of a broken down rental. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's and in a very a one- nice neighborhood, but it's completely broken down. And it's way underpriced in the market too. We're lucky. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, we have one car that we share. And it was like, well, because I think they wouldn't think that, they just couldn't fathom. Yeah. They just couldn't. Like, they, why would you do that? They just look at the money. Like, if our salon brought in 110000 I think we figured, most people figured we were making fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 of that. Oh, yeah. I wish that was true. In fact. I know, me too. <laughs> we would have had no issue with the lawsuit. <laughs> and but here's we got the thing. into and all that. 
I'm really glad that we did that because we learned what it is to sacrifice and to serve Mm -hmm. and to really put our money where our mouth is, is that what we truly believe we lived like that for 13 years. And we also got the skills. So I want to encourage you, Mo, that you might feel sometimes a little bit weary about it. But what you are doing is you are building your character. And that is something that you're going to take with you no matter what you do. And your legacy, too. And your legacy. Yes. That doesn't come. It doesn't come overnight. It comes by putting, building that character, making those daily choices every single day, the unglamorous ones, the the ones that cost you, cost, come out of your body, out of your soul. But you're, you're doing that. So, so proud of you. Thank you. It's the hard work. It's the hardest work ever. It is. It really is. Well, let's get into um, Lash Bash because I know at least when this is being recorded, you still had a handful of tickets. So maybe uh, (laughs) some people listening can jump in and get their tickets. So tell us about that. Tell us about Lash Bash. So Wednesday, who is a friend of mine, she actually... She has a podcast too, by the way. Wednesday's great. She She comes to Lash Con. She's the best. Yeah. Yes. Well, so we work within three minutes of each other. Oh, wow. And she moved literally right down the road from me. And I reached out to her and was like, hey, let's go have lunch. And so we became friends after that. And she was like, no, people don't usually reach out to you. And, you know, I'm literally right down the road from you. And I was like, so there's plenty of people to go around. And her aesthetic is different than my aesthetic and everything is fine. But literally on the first time we went to lunch and met each other, we were like, you know, we both had wanted to create an event for Flash Artists in Houston. I mean, I know I had always wanted to do it. Yeah. After Hurricane Harvey, I went to the Borby Soiree, which was uh-huh. in Houston. Yeah. And I just loved that it was, there was no trainings, there was no speakers. It was just hang out with your fellow Lash Artists. And she had gone to something else. I can't remember what it was. But she wanted the same experience. She just wanted to build the community in Houston. And so we were like, should we do it? Let's just do it and see what happens. And we did it. We planned it. We, I mean, within like 12 hours, 35 tickets were gone. Wow. We didn't charge. We didn't know we were supposed to charge. (laughs) We learned that lesson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 35 people, I mean, it sold out within 12 hours. And then we just randomly reached out to like Lash artists that we knew. And we were like, hey, we'd love to invite you, not thinking anybody would come. <laughs> and then Allie from yep. Lash Artists, uh, Lindy, EBL. Yep. And Shelby. Shelby. Shelby, yeah. And then Kristen from Crush Artistry. She came too. And we were just like, we were personally mind blown. Like, is this really happening? Yeah. These big Lash Artists want to come to our little event. And it took off. And right after that event, some people were reaching out to us. And then a girlfriend. Utah, Alyssa, who was actually co-hosting with us, was like, how do I get y'all to come do this in Utah? <laughs> and we were like, for real? You want us to come to Utah and do this? Yeah. And she meant it. And so she's been helping us this whole way, you know, like helping me plan, helping Wednesday plan, doing all that stuff. And it really, it's just Lash Artists coming together and building that community in your area. And we didn't think it would get this big. And Lindy is hosting us, so it's going to be at EBL headquarters. It's like an hour south of Salt Lake City. Yes, Linden. I always want to say London. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it got way bigger than we ever expected. And I've been in the industry for a really long time, so I didn't mind reaching out to companies that I already knew. And I was like, hey, do you want to be a part of our swag bags? You know, little things like that. And this year, we have companies reaching out to us. 
That's awesome. And I'm like, what, for real? Yeah. So it's it's gotten really big, really fast. And I know there's been other people across the states who have thrown flash fashes as well. Yeah. With people reaching out to us, I wrote an ebook on how to throw your very own lash bash. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I thought that was such a nice thing just to say, hey, here's yeah. my PDF on how to do yeah. it yourself. And so many people are like running with it. Like they get the book and they're going. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there was one that that's coming up here in just a week or two. I, I forget. They reached out to me and asked if we could donate something. And I wanted to, but it was so last second. I mean, I, yeah. I think I was like, you know what? And I actually even said we could maybe fly out to that one, but it just timing was not right. But uh, yeah, I see it now. People hosting their own Lash Bash is being inspired by you two guys. And I think that's great. And hopefully it's just something that continues because we've seen yeah. this in the past. I know Sugar Lash was trying to do some things. I know Barbaletta's done Sores. And mm-hmm. I know that certain brands have tried, but this feels a little bit more organic. It does. I don't think it's because it's behind a brand. I think when people see a brand, they go, well, they're just going to sell me too. stuff, right? So I think so too. Yeah. We want to promote everybody. Mm-hmm. With this, that's like you said, it's hosted by brands. So some brands don't want, they want to just push their stuff. And with this, we're like, if we love you, we want you in the bag. If, if, if you have any product that we haven't tried, you know, anything, we want to promote all the lash brands because not one size fits all. Yeah. So that's the whole goal of these swag bags, just like your swag bags at LashCon. Like it's a variety of stuff because not one size fits all. Yeah. Oh, and I think being neutral, like we've been, like our podcast, as well as in LashCon, we try to be brand neutral. We don't have our fa- We have people we love, we adore, yeah. and we're friends with. But in the end, we're still not going to be like, well, we're going to pick you over them just because we like you. Yeah. Really, we want to give everyone a level playing field. It's not easy. And we've been tempted at times to play favorites, I guess you could say, or just where we get kickbacks and we just always decide not to go that route and just yeah. – support the general good of our industry and just trust yeah. the, the money will come other ways, <laughs> but, Absolutely. but that's really cool. I'm glad what the dates are um, for this event. So this one will be in Utah and Linden, July 23rd, which actually falls on Lindy's birthday. Hey, so birthday um, party yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you get your own birthday party with all the lash artists. <laughs> that's right. That's very cool. And so it's there. And you said last you heard, or you just told me like you had seven tickets. So really you're down to your yeah. last tickets. Now, if you're listening yeah. to this, we're recording this just a few days before actually airing it. It may be gone by then, but if not, you should just go right now. Where do they go get those tickets? <laughs> yes. The funny thing is we have people, we had to release the tickets so early because people are flying in from out of States for this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Hold yeah. on. People have already, because they want it to come to last year's, people have been like reaching out to us since the beginning, like, I need to know when these tickets go on sale because I have to get one so I can book my flight, so I can book my hotel. I'm like, oh, exactly. I guess we better release them soon. Yeah. <laughs> Mo, is there a theme? <sighs> no. <laughs> we were going to do one. We've been, we've been really tempted to do one, but. We think this one's just going to be for fun. Just, for just you connect. Can dress up, have fun, get good pictures, you know. Yeah. So how much is it? It is $99. All right, $99. And basically, they go to your website, which, or do you have a website, or is this Instagram page where you get a link? Actually, or? yeah, it's on our Lash Bash account, which is Lash Bash TX, and it's in the bio, and $99. They get a swag bag, which is going to be apparently better than last year's. Ooh. Sweet. And 
we have surprise guests coming that we haven't released. So All right. No. Cool. No, very, very cool. I know it's going to be a huge success. In fact, that you only have seven tickets, Ori says, so that's awesome. <laughs> and I'm glad to see you're charging. Yes. yes. Yeah. Your time is worth something. You're not uh, just a, you know. It's I, a lot of work. It is it's a, a lot, lot of work. work. And people are this paying. Just, yeah, this is just a little party. Y'all put on the mega show, so it's <laughs> nice to not. You know, like doing all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, just wait till this year's party Sunday night. Oh my gosh! Wow, it's, it's, it's going to be huge. It's like a giant nightclub. But that we can't wait. Fun. Well, I, I'll just throw this out because we have announced this, and we did working with Shelby. And I just thought, since people are listening, <laughs> I'll talk about our thing we're doing. We're wow. doing something in June 25th at IBS, actually in Las know, Vegas. In Las Vegas. Are you coming? Are you coming to Vegas? Do you do uh, IBS? Know. Okay. I've been well, about it. here's something to tempt you. Yeah. We're going to be basically hosting a party with Shelby, with Last Boss, us two coming together. We rented a penthouse at the Sahara Hotel. It is like gorgeous. Yeah. So many oh amazing goodness. photo opportunities. How yeah. many square feet is it? It's a little over 3,000 square feet. It is a penthouse. So there's a rooftop thing so you can overlook like and see. There's a balcony. The- We're going to have like drinks. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Music. And there'll be music, drinks, and, and just a time to connect while at Vegas. It's on Saturday night, June 25th. We have not decided anything as far as costs or anything like that. And but I do know it's going to be, we can probably get two to 250 people only no, into the event. But it's going to have the same so. kind of fun and kind of same kind of vibe that we all our last Yeah, it, it, it will, we will make sure that you feel, and by the way, if you see Tess, just show up and Tess will connect you. I'm going to introduce you to everybody. Yeah, Tess, that's her <laughs> just, sole just purpose come, in yes, life. just come up to me. And we're working to get people to come, people you know yeah. and seen and heard. So we have, we'll have some also, hopefully, Lash influencers um, crashing uh-huh. the party with everyone. So, and, and hopefully you'll come home. That'd be great to see yeah. you there. Well, you're can just- I just come for the party? Yes, yes, of you can. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, it'll be Saturday night. You don't have to go to the show. I, in fact, I know a lot of people don't go to the show. They just go and make an excuse. I'm going to Vegas for work, and then they go to the pool all day, and then they go to oh. socials. I know. I believe um, on Friday night, sinful lashes. Michelle's throwing a party on that night, so there's going to be another social oh. Friday and. Who knows? Maybe Sunday there'll be something too with uh, another sure brand. So, but it's it's yeah. a really fun way. I feel like this is our first time to really connect as a community outside of Lashcon. Yeah. It's really a, a big opportunity. So, hopefully, people will come. We'll be posting details about that very soon. But where can people find you, Mo? And uh, like website, page, or Instagram, and all that. Well, mainly is Instagram. I created a whole new Instagram page. It is at Lashlova Two. Yeah. People keep asking me, why do you have a second account? And I'm like, because my old account had so many different niches that it was all over the place. So I created a completely different one with just for lash artists. And then you can find Lash Bash, Lash Bash TX. TX. Now, Lash Lava, can you spell it? Uh L A S H. L-U-V-A. Oh, L-U-V-A. Okay, Lava. And, and this is where I get to publicly Lava. apologize to you when I announced you as a winner because she won tickets to Beauty Factor. Um, Beauty Factor. Beauty Factor. And I <laughs> I called you, I only know why I called you. I just looked at Lash Lover or Lash Lever or something like that. Yeah. He's Lava. like the worst. I with, put, yeah, I know. Lava, it's, yeah. I think it's like Lava. when John Travolta messed up the singer. I'm going to mess her name up too. Yeah. For um, You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. For, Millie, Millie Vanilli? No, <laughs> Medina. Um, Madonna? No, no. Uh, for Focus. Uh, okay. No, yeah, what's that, it called? I don't know. Frozen. Do, Frozen. Frozen. Oh, he messed up her the yes. singer's name? Uh, oh. Adina Mazel. Mazel. He oh. says something completely off. <laughs> 
that was me with you right there on their Instagram. And I immediately messaged you once I realized I, it's Lash Lover. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what it's did not, he say? It was it again? I, What did he say when he- I can't even remember. It was- It, it was wasn't even close. It's like- Lava. Yeah, it was like, it's like- I Luva. Mean, Luva or Luva. Luva or something. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> It was horrible. So, any publicly, you're all going yeah. to Beauty Factory. Um, yeah, we're gonna be there. Yeah, we're oh. gonna. Yeah, we will see you there. And uh, yeah, we got our hotel room, and we're gonna go. That'll be my. It'll f- be our first time in Miami. I've been to Florida, Orlando, Tampa, and even Baton Rouge, just north of of Miami, but I've never gone as south as Miami. So I'm actually excited. They're gonna have an Alice yeah. in Wonderland party. We're excited about yes. that. Yeah, I'm no. Trying to, our my ten year anniversary is a few days after that, so I'm trying to convince my husband that we can make this like a vacation, get away oh, yeah. a couple of days before, and then yes. hang out. So I'm like, don't you want to go to another? Oh, we'd love to meet him. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could say thank you for getting your wife in the lashes because I yeah, know he right? was a big part of pushing you. Pushing her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I know we went way longer than I expected, but uh, it's just easy to sit around and it's chat so business easy with to you. Talk to you it is. Thank it you, is. Mo. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. It was so fun. All right, guys, that's a wrap. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at The Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. And make sure you get your LashCon tickets. Or hopefully we'll see our Lash Retention Styling course in New York or L.A. coming up soon. So we'll hopefully see you there. On behalf of my trophy wife, Tustany, I don't know if she's going to like that. I don't know if she's going to like trophy wife. I mean, she is a trophy wife, but she's mo- so much more than a trophy wife. But anyhow, on behalf of my trophy wife, Tustin, as well as our special guest, Mo, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. <laughs> <laughs>